Right, so if you want to jump ahead, you can open your Bible to the very first page of the text, Genesis 1. That's what we're going to be looking at today. We've spent a lot of time in Genesis 1, and uh, we're going to spend more time in Genesis 1 because it is rich and amazing. Um, We're in a series called God is God and Everything Else is an Illustration because it can be hard to feel like you have a relationship with God. Often, God doesn't feel close to us. Um, and it's, it's, I think it's hard because God is God and we're not. It's difficult for us to understand how to relate to someone who's not here, someone who isn't speaking audibly to us all the time like friends do, like family members do. Um, and so we're looking at the stories in Genesis to see how God is introduced to us in the Bible so that we can know how to have a relationship with someone who is God. And and last week, we saw that right after God made people in his own image and likeness, he gave us two directions. And so these two directions form our mission as God's image bearers, okay? And so I want to read Genesis 1, verses 27 and 28, just to remind us of what it says there, introduce us again to what it says there. It says this, uh, the verses are in your bulletin, there's a place there to take notes, You'll also see the verses on the screen. This is Genesis 1, verses 27 and 28. It says this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And so in verse 28, there are two directions that God gives us as his image bearers. First is to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And then second, it's to subdue the earth and have dominion over the creatures. And so last week, we looked at the first direction that God gives, and we saw that the first direction, to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, this is the call to multiply the best of who you are. Okay, that's what it means to be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. It means multiply the best of who you are. Um, and we, uh, we multiply what God has put in us. The best of who we are is God's image and his spirit. And that's what we looked at last week. But today we're going to look at this second direction that comes from God. I mean, what does it mean for us to subdue the earth and have dominion over the creatures? Uh, for many... These two verbs, subdue and have dominion, um, for many, this sounds bad. Uh, It sounds controlling and overbearing because subdue sounds like subjugation. Uh, Dominion sounds like dominate. And so I looked it up, right? Looked it up, looked up a definition and came up with this, to subdue means to get something to serve your purpose. That's what it means to subdue, to get something to serve your purpose. And to have dominion means to rule and govern something. And again, these definitions, they could actually reinforce this negative image that some of us have. Um, If we try to get someone else to serve our purpose, that can easily become selfish and demeaning manipulative, and even abusive. But you have to remember that these directions, these two directions, 
They come right after we are made in the image of God. And so this means that these directions and this direction specifically is designed by God to move us. It's designed by God to get us to live in a way that reflects his image. Okay, being made in God's image and then being directed to do these things is how we express being made in God's image. And so to subdue the earth and to have dominion are actually how we can be children of God multiplying the best of who we are. And so, to understand how we should subdue the earth and have dominion, we need to see how God subdues the earth and how God has dominion. And we can see this in Genesis chapter 1 because God has been subduing the earth and having dominion all throughout this chapter. We begin to see this in verses 1 to 3 of this chapter. Again, these are in your bulletin They'll also be on the screen. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And so the key to seeing how God subdues and has dominion is in verse 2. It says the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. And so before God began to subdue and have dominion, there was chaos. Okay, the earth was formless and void and dark. This means that there was disorder, there was emptiness, there was meaninglessness, and there was darkness. And so when God created, God didn't simply create. God overcame darkness in creating. God overcame formlessness. He overcame the void. God spoke in verse 3. It says, God said, let there be light, and there was light. And so God spoke and brought light and life, and order, and leadership. And the rest of the chapter shows how God overcame the darkness, the formlessness, and the void by creating light, and order, and structure. And ultimately, he created the delegated leadership to continue the order that he created. And so, for God, to subdue isn't subjugation. For God, dominion isn't domination because God overcomes darkness with light. God overcomes chaos with order. God fills the formlessness with substance, with meaning, and with purpose. And so therefore, for us, subdue and have dominion mean to do the same thing. Are you with me? When God gets something to serve his purpose, his purpose is to cause everything to flourish and serve and have meaning. God's subduing and God's dominion are always for the good of people who love him. God's subduing and God's dominion is to give the world, uh, is to give us actually a world of beauty, of order, 
of adventure and meaning. And so therefore, our subduing, our dominion needs to be driven by this same type of aim, by the same love, the same care, and the same desire to bring about a world of beauty, order, adventure, and meaning. Now, how does God do this? Like, what is it that God does that brings this about? Well, in the chapter, it says, and verse 2 and 3 tell us uh, how God does this, and how God does it throughout the chapter, it's highlighted and made explicit in verses 2 and 3. It says, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And so, God's subduing and dominion happen by God's spirit and God's word. So God subdues and God has dominion by his spirit and by his word. What does this mean? Well, this means that God's leadership, that God's leadership is personal and it's present. Okay, we've talked about how God created the heavens and the earth, and God is up in heaven, and we're down here on earth, but what we see here is that God is personally present in creation. He's present, and he speaks. In our experience of him, God is often present when he speaks, or in his speech, God is present and so it's God's presence and God's word that bring light and life, beauty and order, adventure and meaning. God subdued, God had dominion by his word and his spirit in the beginning. And God continues to subdue and have dominion by his word and his spirit today. One of the most powerful ways that you can have a relationship with God is by seeking him in his word. It's by knowing the God who has spoken and what he has said. When you understand what God has said, and you, that's the key to hearing him speak to you, his presence will come near. And so what we see here is that God didn't just give us a wonderful world, God gave us himself. God is present, he is personally present, and he is active. And so, for God, subduing and having dominion are God's commitment to be personally involved in making his world and his people wonderful. What this looks like for God is God's commitment to be personally involved in making his world and his people wonderful. And so it's not subjugation and domination. God is personally committed to seeing the world and the people that he loves flourish. That's the opposite of subjugation and domination. Um, we could say it this way. God's is not a rule of brute, self-serving power, but a rule of powerful love. There are religions, there are ideas about God 
where God is up there and just doing whatever the heck he wants with no regard to anyone else. And if you don't line up with what he says and how he thinks and feels, then you're screwed. That's not the God of the Bible. That is not the God of the Bible. And it's not the God of the Old Testament, right? You've heard that before, right? Well, the God of the Old Testament's got a wrath. The God of the New Testament's got a love, right? It's not the Bibles that we have. God is personally present, and he is active, and he's involved in making his world and his people wonderful. And so, if this is what God did and does in subduing and having dominion, then this is also our mission. This is our job. This is our direction as people who are made to image him. Like, our calling, our mission in life is to live in a way that would show that God is like this. And so, subduing the earth and having dominion over the creatures for us means we're made to exercise God-imaging leadership. God-imaging leadership. This is the direction that God gives us. And he says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and to subdue it, and have dominion over the creatures. He's saying, I want you to image me in the leadership that you provide. And so, loving, committed, personal leadership images God, and that's his direction for us. And so, I want to make it even a little bit more practical. Um, God-imaging leadership means, it means that you personally commit to give your life to lead the world toward God. This is his direction for us. This is the pathway that God set for humanity in the beginning, that you would personally commit to give your life to lead the world toward God. So God wants his image bearers to act in ways that would bend the creation toward honoring him, to make the whole earth full of worshipers and good stewards. This is what it means that we're his image bearers. God wants people to see us and to know him better. And this is enormous. Like this is far reaching. This is a direction for every use of leadership in the world. For every instance of influence, this is the call to that. Every time you influence anyone, intentionally, unintentionally, every time you are an influence on someone else, you are to give your life, which means you are to sacrifice whatever you want, whatever you desire, and put it underneath this direction that you want more than anything else to lead the world toward God. And so, you're to put the needs of others ahead of your own, right? You're to show them God's love and God's grace. 
Subduing and dominion for us means getting people and things to serve God's purposes in their lives. See, it's about his purposes, right? When we subdue, it's not about our purposes unless our purposes are in line with God's purposes, right? And so knowing that we are trying to lead the world toward God, that's what saves us from subjugation and domination. But it doesn't always save us, does it? I mean, how often are we guilty of subjugating others to our purpose and not God's? How often do you put your desires ahead of other people's needs? Do you ever disregard the needs and the desires of other people? How often do you shut people down because, dang it, you need to be understood? It's not just wrong for us to do these things, but it's a violation of our image bearing. I, I want you to see and experience and feel that God had this design for the world and how things were supposed to be. And, and one of the ways that things were supposed to be was that his image bearers would be willing to personally commit to giving their life to lead the world toward God, which means they would act like God in love and sacrifice, in service, in finding joy in seeing other people's needs met ahead of their own. Can you imagine the harmony of our world be going on? Could you imagine how different the world would be if we were more moved by seeing God's image borne out in our leadership and our influence. Do you imagine how different your family might be if this is what characterized your actions and your desires? And so, what, like, I want you to see this. This is one example of how we can actually see and almost taste that when God gives us directions and commands, like he's not just making a list of stuff to like make us angry or make us guilty. All of God's commands, all of God's directions are designed to promote life. They're designed to promote harmony and joy and real relationships and deep, meaningful communion and community. And so God's ways, they're not, just, they're not just right, but they're good. God tells us this because this is good for all of us. And so, again, it's not just wrong to mess this up, but it violates God's image in us to get this wrong. With the language of Genesis 1, we could say when we do this, when we break this Direction, when we don't follow this direction, it actually adds to the darkness and the chaos and the void that God is working to heal. 
Like out of the darkness and the chaos and the void, God brought life and light and order and love and community and we plunge it back down into darkness when we don't give our lives to move the world toward God. And so I could say this for myself, but for all of us, like we desperately need a savior. We all need the God who not only did this in creation in Genesis 1, light and life and order and, 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 and beauty, but we also need the God who came and died on the cross in the gospel when we failed to image him. And here Genesis 1 leads us to the gospel of Jesus because we need the Jesus who literally gave his life to lead the world toward God. And again, I want to show you the cross in another light. I want you to see that on the cross, Jesus died because we have failed to image God. Jesus died on the cross because every one of us has used our God-imaging power to serve ourselves, to take advantage of others. Jesus died on the cross because of the formlessness and the void and the darkness that we have brought into the world. On the cross, Jesus actually entered into the darkness and the void of death, suffering the punishment that we deserved. But he emerged from the grave. Jesus didn't just die. Jesus rose from out of the grave, and out of the grave he brought a light that will never, ever be dimmed. He brought forth a light and a life that is real and powerful and it is growing fuller and fuller and fuller every day until it shines with blazing glory in the new heavens and new earth. We need Jesus' commitment to us. We need Jesus' willingness to give his life for us so that we could have his strength to be committed like this to others. It's when we see that Jesus has loved us like this, that he is personally present with every one of you. He knows all of your sins and he says, I died for those. I took the punishment so that you don't have to. I took the shame. I entered into the result of your sin so that you can go free and you can be filled with my light. And when you receive that from Jesus, you feel compelled by his love to give your life, to move the world toward God. And I want to say that when we join him on his mission, we give our lives to lead the world toward God. Friends, this is how we join heaven and earth. As we live out this God-imaging leadership, we close the separation between heaven and earth by subduing and having dominion in God's image. And how do we do this? Well, we do this the same way that God did, by his word and spirit. It's us living our lives filled with God's word and God's spirit 
that enables us to share his word and his presence with other people. When you are gripped by this, you can't not forgive. When you are gripped by this and you see how particularly God understands you and loves you anyways, it moves you to stretch and understand others, even people that have hurt you. And when you are filled with this, when you, when you really come to grips, and, and there's, a, there's a bit of this that it takes some introspection, it takes some looking, like what exactly have I experienced with God? What exactly have been the blessings that I've experienced from knowing God? Like what's it been like for me? How has he met me and in what ways has he blessed me? And then just testifying to that with other people. Letting people know that in the darkness, God shined his light and gave you hope. In the meaninglessness of life, you've found purpose and significance in a relationship with God that gives you a mission that's, frankly, bigger than you'll ever finish, but meaningful in the efforts that you make to see it accomplished. Because when we are filled with God's word and spirit, it brings comfort in pain. Ours, and then we share it with others. It brings hope in the darkness for us, and then we can share that with others. Um, the idea of thinking that we're supposed to lead the world toward God is daunting and crazy. Um, it's so much bigger than all of us. It's so much bigger than any of us. And so sometimes the first thing that we can offer in leading the world toward God is grace. Like sometimes that's just where we start. That God's in the business of loving people that are broken. God's in the business of loving people who need help. And so you can start just by sharing how God's grace has impacted your life and then showing that grace through your behaviors like letting people see God's grace in your life, not just hear about you talking about God's grace in your life. And so it can start with just sharing grace, but it ends up going beyond into everything. And so some of you are very mature in your faith. You've been walking with Jesus for a long time. God's grace is very near and dear to your heart. And God is asking you to go beyond that. He's asking you to push on the darkness and enter into the chaos and bring order into the chaos. And so you need to know that beyond grace, God wants to bring beauty into the world, into all the world. And so beauty matters in all of its ways. It matters to God. Um, order matters to God. Not order that gets so calcified that it becomes like rigid and it crushes people underneath, but I mean order that makes sense of things so that people have a sense of stability in the midst of the chaos of their lives. Um, so beauty, order, multiplying life, right? Seeing things that are giving life to others and, and even adventure, that God wants us to be people of adventure, that there's an adventure, there's a call to follow Jesus and that's a call to go with him into the chaos, into the void, into the darkness and bring light and life and hope. Now, how do you do that? 
right? How do we take this gospel, this image bearing, this subduing and dominion into all these areas? Gosh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I don't. Like, there's hundreds of us, right, that are part of this church, and each one of us has a different piece of the world, and there's overlap, and, you know, some of these circles are overlapping and stuff, but, but there's a degree to where I don't know what this looks like for you. I don't know what this looks like exactly how for you to bring God's subduing and God's dominion into your world. And this, friends, is why we have to be pursuing God ourselves. We've got to pursue God. We need to beg God for his wisdom. You have to see God. You have to see God bringing beauty and order and multiplying life and even adventure and challenge and difficulty. You need to see how God does that so that you can know how to do it in your walks of life, in your homes, in your neighborhoods, in your workplaces. Sometimes God gives his people what they want, and sometimes he doesn't. How will you know when to give people what they want or when not to with the influence that you have? I mean, parents struggle with this all the time. Bosses can struggle with this. People in authority over other people struggle with this. Like, when do you just give in and give the person what they want? When do you say, no, I don't want to give this to you? Right? How can you know if you don't know God? But when you know God and you beg him for wisdom in these very often complicated situations, God will give you wisdom. He'll give you the principles that are yours then to juggle as you try to make a decision that would reflect his image. When we act this out, when we engage in this mission to give our lives, to move the world toward God, man, God is there. He is cheering for us. He is rooting us on. God is empathizing with us in how difficult this can be. Um, but God wants to share with you this joy of seeing how your leadership and your influence can bring the world to him. God wants to share with you his vision and his purpose. Um, and so to exercise this kind of God imaging leadership, it'll have a huge impact on you. If you commit to this and you walk in this, and walking in this could just be like saying, God, I want to subdue and have dominion in your image. I want to do this the way that you do. When you do this, it means that you will accept suffering and chaos and darkness as part of life and you will face it. It means that you will take steps to try to transform the chaos into order in your life. One author that I love says, start by cleaning your room. Just really practical. Bring order into the chaos of your bedroom. When you engage in this, you will know that you're vulnerable, but you won't shy away from chaos and the meaninglessness of life, but you'll enter into it 
with God's gospel promises of his presence and his power to help you stand up in the midst of it. This will motivate you to undertake sacrifices. This will motivate you to endure suffering so that you can, in the midst of those difficult places, in the midst of the suffering, you will stand as a man or a woman who can bring the order of God's joy even into suffering. This is how we can build metaphorical arcs that people can run to when the flood hits. This is how you can guide people through the waters as they try to escape from tyranny. This is how you'd leave the comfort of your father and your mother and find your way to a land and a life that God has promised you. Friends, this is a call to adventure. And if you take this on and you do it humbly and boldly, you will open up in your life a conduit for God's presence and God's word to come through you to bless others and to lead them to him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this call, for this direction. God, we do confess that in so many ways we have blown your image, we have marred your image, we have violated your image. We need your forgiveness. But we also, God, we want your spirit and your word to make us strong. We want your spirit and your word to make us wise so that we can commit now, we can personally commit to giving our lives to lead the world around us toward you. Draw near to us. Help us to see that you are with us so that we can serve you and we can image you here in this world. God, this is difficult. It's gonna need many, many, many conversations in life groups with friendships. And so God, lead us into further discussions so that we can talk about how to be these people. But God, we love you. And we thank you for thinking enough of us to call us to such a noble task. We humbly accept it. We ask you for grace to fulfill it. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to receive an offering next, and so if, uh, if you're going to be giving today, um, please take the next minute to prepare your gifts to give. Um, if you want to give online, you can do that. The instructions for texting to give are there on the screen. Um, our provider of online giving just went through this significant update, and so if you go through that process, you might find that you have to log in again to your account, so sorry about that if... Um, if that's the case for you. But, uh, but whether you give online or you give during the week, um, just know that your gifts um, are ways that help our church subdue the city of San Diego and have dominion over it, right? It gives us a chance. You, you fund everything that our church does, all the work 
that it does. And so your gifts are acts of worship to God. And so think about that as you give. And then remember, if you have a connection card, please fill this out and drop it in the offering basket as it goes by.